Hey guys, welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. If you're just stumbling upon the podcast, welcome. We're just a bunch of normal dudes who are trying to figure out what it looks like for us as men to fall in love with Jesus and then help our families do the same. Excited for us to dive into today's episode, but before we jump into that, I want to thank my friends over at Thrive Family Life for sponsoring today's episode. They're all about bringing gospel-centered conversations to everyday life, very practical and helpful tools for you as a dad or a mom to point your kids back to the gospel. If you're looking for really fun ways to bring gospel conversations into your life, you can go to thrivefamilylife.com. They sell all kinds of unique products. They have one called Pop and Play, which turns conversations about movies you've just watched together into games. It's training our kids to process media as they grow up. Almost every movie these days has something in it that we'd rather not be there. But if our kids are going to be in this world, it's going to be full of media, and we have to teach them how to process it through the eyes of Christ rather than just simply absorb it. And so they have games like Pop and Play, which your family can digest a movie together, you can watch it together, but then you take turns pulling question cards from the popcorn container and answering them. You can even play to win prizes. And over time, you're training your kids to ask these questions themselves as they watch movies. If you're looking for more ideas on how to start gospel conversations in your home, you can check out all kinds of unique products. They have these unique conversation cards One's called Creation to Crowns. Those are cards that will teach you the four main themes of the biblical narrative. They have thankful cards that prompt gratitude for the many gifts God has given us in our lives. They have campfire cards, a game of chat and challenge cards for memory and fun. They have all kinds of amazing products, again, that will help you as the dad or mom point your kids back to Jesus and the gospel. You can go to thrivefamilylife.com and use the promo code DADTIRED, all one word, at checkout, and we'll save 10%. Again, that's Thrive familylife.com. Use the promo code DADTIRED at checkout to get 10% off. My wife, Layla, is an oncology nurse. She uh, just got a new job here in South Carolina at a hospital, and she went to work, and she texted me later that day and said that she had forgot her lunch. And so I said, no problem. Being the good husband I am, I will bring you some lunch. I didn't say that, but I said, no problem, babe. I'll bring you some lunch. So I packed up the kids and went to the grocery store, was going to get her deli sandwich from the store. And I'm in line and I'm looking at the menu and some guys there at the deli, behind the deli to make me the sandwich. And so he says, what would you like? I just said like an Italian sandwich. You know, there was the kind of sandwich doesn't matter <laughs> anyway. So I got a sandwich and literally all our entire discussion was exclusively about this sandwich. What kind of bread do I want? kind of cheese do I want? What kind of toppings do I want? So he stops in the middle of making the sandwich and he says, dude, where are you from? Which caught me off guard because I'm like, we're talking about a sandwich here. And I'm like, um, here? <laughs> like, I didn't know if he thought I was like a foreigner. <laughs> I'm like, am I ordering the sandwich wrong? I didn't know what was going on. So I'm like, I'm here? And he's like, you know, he's like, no, where are you from? Like originally, I'm, and which again, I'm like, do I look like I'm from a different country or do I, I don't, <laughs> again, I, I couldn't get a read on what was happening. I'm like, I don't know. I was born on the West Coast, man, and I, I moved here a couple of years ago. He's like, oh, okay. I'm like, why? Why do you ask? I could tell he was like thinking something. It wasn't awkward. Like it didn't actually feel awkward, but it just, I could not get a read on what was happening. Clearly there was something that he felt was like different about me. It was almost like he couldn't pinpoint it. And so he was like trying to figure out where I was from. And I asked him like three times, like, why, why do you ask? And he he never, looking back at the conversation, he never like answered. He was like, oh, okay, no, I know somebody from the West Coast. You know, he finishes my sandwich and he, he puts the price thing on it and I scan it and I pay and I get out of there. And I was thinking, I was, as on the, on the way driving that sandwich to Layla at the hospital, I was like, man, that was such a, 
what was that interaction about? That was so interesting. So I get to the hospital. Again, I've got the kids. I've got the sandwich in my hand. So I get into the hospital and she just started working there. So I don't really know anyone there and I, I don't have a good like layout. I've never even been to the hospital, honestly. So I'm trying to figure out where she's, <laughs> what department she's in and where she works. And I asked the lady at the front desk, I'm like, hey, do you know my wife, Layla? She works here and she only works part-time, so they don't even know her very well either. And she just started. So I'm trying to figure out like where she is and what department she works at. Anyway, so I'm sitting down in this waiting room and Layla works in oncology. So these are all patients who are getting cancer treatment, many of whom are scared and they're very sick. And so I'm sitting there in this waiting room with all these people who I imagine have a lot of emotions running through their body and brain and soul as they're sitting there. And dude, I just felt this like overwhelming pull in me to literally just stop. This feels weird saying this, but what I felt was like, I should just say out loud in the middle of this whole waiting room, I should just say, Hey, I know this is probably a scary time for a lot of you guys. Do any of you feel like you could use some prayer right now? (laughs) That's what I felt like saying. I didn't say it. I didn't do it. I didn't react or respond to any of the promptings that I kind of felt in my gut. But that's what I felt this like big pull. It came out of nowhere. I wasn't thinking to myself like, hey, I should be a super spiritual Christian today. I just walked in there with a sandwich, wanted to hand it to my wife, give her a kiss and take the kids home. But for whatever reason, when I walked in there, I felt this like pull to just say like, does anyone need prayer? I imagine you guys are probably really scared right now. And I know this is weird, but does anyone need prayer? Didn't do it though. So then the next day we're actually getting ready to, I promise I'm going somewhere with all this, but the next day we're getting ready to go on a little family vacation. We take like one week out of the year, typically toward the end of the year, we all as a family go somewhere on a vacation. It's kind of become an annual tradition. So we drive five hours away to this place to have a little family vacation. We get to the hotel. We've been driving all day. And if you know what it's like, if you're a dad and you've done a road trip with kids, it's exhausting. My friends make fun of me because I'm like, I just, I'm terrible at road trips. I don't like driving. I don't have good patience. I don't like going through all the traffic. And to do all of that with a car full of kids is so stressful, especially toddlers. I mean, a billion times, how many more minutes are we there yet? Does that say one hour or two hours? Does that say a hundred minutes or one hour? Like just the questions, I need to go pee. Can we stop for a snack? I don't feel well. I need fresh air, like all the things. And so it's just stressful to drive a long way and I don't like doing it. Anyway, we get to the hotel after a long and stressful drive. And uh, I tell the kid, the kids immediately want to go to the pool and swim. So we, they pull up their suitcases and put on their swimsuits and, and jump into the pool. And so I walk into the pool and I don't feel like having any conversations. I don't feel like being very extroverted. I'm, if you know me, I'm kind of, I'm actually an introverted guy. And so I'm exhausted we get into the pool area. The kids jump in. All my kids know how to swim now. Even my two-year-old, we put her in these like survival swim lessons, which P.S. is amazing to watch her swim at two years old is incredible. So I just pull up a chair next to the edge of the pool and I'm just kind of watching them swim. And there's a dad in there. There's nobody else in there, but just a dad with his daughter. And he's swimming in there with his daughter and he's being really encouraging. He was such a good dad. I was like, I'm just watching him. I'm watching all my kids, but I'm like watching him interact with his daughter. And I just feel the sense of like pride in me. I'm like, dude, you're doing a good job, man. Didn't say anything. When we walked into the pool, the only conversation we had was him saying, hey, how's it going? I was like, hey, man, I'm doing well. How are you? And he's like, good. That was it. And then I just sat at the pool and I watched my kids, you know, jump in the pool and swim. Uh, Toward the end of the time at our pool there, as we're getting ready to leave, I just feel the sense in me again, like kind of just like this weird thing in my gut 
where I'm like, dude, just encourage this guy. I've been watching this him for the last 30 minutes interact with his daughter and just tell him he's doing a good job. So this time I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. As we're leaving, I'm like, hey, man, just want you to know you're doing a really good job, bro. And he looked at me. I, I give this message. I've written about it several times. I've given this message several times. Maybe you've heard me talk about it if you're familiar with that, Tired. But there's this passage when Jesus first meets Peter, and they wouldn't have shaken hands. That wouldn't have been part of the, the custom back then. But they look at each other, and the, the word there is used, emblepo. And it's this word that kind of gives this idea that it was like this soul-to-soul connection. And the reason I'm telling you that is because as I said that to this guy, as I said, like, hey, man, I just want you to know you're doing a really good job, and we need more good dads in this world. And he looked at me, and it was almost that emblepo moment. Like, it was deeper than it was just like, oh, dude, thank you. You know, it was like, it was almost the soul to, I don't want to over-spiritualize it or make it a bigger deal, you know, than it was. But it was something different happened. There was like, there was something else happening in that pool room that was bigger than what was just happening. You know what I mean? And it was like this emblepo, soul to soul connection. I could tell it like pricked a part of his soul that was different. That wasn't just this casual, hey man, I appreciate the compliment. No, I'm trying my best. It was like this, almost like there was something that he needed to hear that. At a deep level, he needed to hear that he was doing a good job as a dad. I don't know his backstory. I don't know his name. I don't know anything about this guy. But I just felt this prompting to just encourage him as a dad. And I literally just said, hey, man, you're doing a really good job as a dad. We need more dads like you in this world. And again, he just, it hit like a different part of his soul as I said that. And he said, he just said, thank you so much, man. That means a ton to me. And that was it. And we just, you know, I waved at him and I got my kids wrapped up in towels and I walked out of there. I was laying in my bed or in the bed in that hotel, which again, P.S. again, I hate hotel beds. Like there's nothing that grosses me out more. I don't care how nice the hotel is. A hotel bed is disgusting. Anyway, so I never sleep well. (laughs) I travel all the time for these dad tired conferences and dad tired events. And every time, just so you know, you can pray for me because I'm like mind over matter. I'm laying in this hotel bed, not able to fall asleep. And my mind's just kind of reflecting back on these instances where the first was the sandwich, getting a sandwich at the deli for Layla, and then going into that waiting room and just feeling a need to pray for those people in there. And then the next day, interacting with this guy at the pool and just feeling like something deeper was happening in that moment. And I was just reminded, I was feeling this sense of like, again, I never want to over-spiritualize things, but I also believe the Holy Spirit's at work and he's constantly speaking to us and reminding us things. And I felt like God was prompting me or reminding me in that moment, like, Jared, you have my presence. You have my spirit inside of you. I was thinking specifically about that interaction at the deli counter with that guy making the sandwich. He was asking where I'm from, but dude, something felt, it was almost like he wanted to say, something's different about you and I can't tell what it is. Again, I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe my hair looked weird or I had a booger in my nose. Like, I don't know what was happening. But again, something felt different about that interaction. It wasn't a normal interaction. And it was almost like the Spirit was reminding me, like, Jared, he was recognizing me inside of you. Uh, one of my favorite authors and pastors back in the day was Francis Chan. He's, I actually don't know what he's up to these days. I haven't followed much of what he's doing recently. But he wrote this book called Forgotten God, and he's got this analogy in there where he says, imagine that you went to a basketball court at your local park and you said to the people at the basketball court, they're just playing a pickup game of basketball. They're about to pick teams and you say, hey, before we get started, I just want you guys to know I've got the God of basketball living inside of me. Everyone would look at you like, dude, what in the world? This guy is off his rocker. 
And you're like, yeah, I know it sounds weird, but just like, trust me, I got the God of basketball inside of me. So, you know, pick teams ha- as you want, but just know I've got the God of basketball. So they're like, all right, God boy, you know, basketball God boy, get over here. You're my first pick. So they pick you and you're playing and they pass you the ball and you take a shot and your first shot is an air ball. Immediately, they're going to question like, okay, dude, you're just weird. You know, you say God of basketball on you, but you just airballed. They pass it to you again. You go up for a layup. It goes over the backboard. You can't even like touch the backboard. You try to make a pass and it goes out of bounds. Like eventually they're going to be like, dude, you do not have the God of basketball in you. You're just a weird dude. You say weird things. His analogy in that book is basically comparing it to us as Christians saying that we believe that the God of the universe lives inside of us. And that how crazy and weird that sounds to a world. But what's even more weird is when we say that and our lives don't look any different than theirs or anyone else in the world. My sister who is a professing atheist. I love her so much, but she does not believe that there is a God. And so for me to say something like that to her, like, I believe there is a God and that that God lives inside of me, that's confusing to her and weird to her. And she would be like, that just makes no sense. And it would be really confusing if she said, yeah, you say that, Jared, but your life does not look any different than my life. As Christians, we kind of have this idea that We say we believe that the God of the universe is living inside of us. And yet for most of us, what we actually believe is just God's kind of helping me be a better person. I hope that I can kind of live my life and do good things and have good behavior. And I just really hope that because I believe in God, that I'm I'm a pretty moral person. Listen, God wasn't taking a person and trying to help them behave better or make them more moral. God is taking wretched wicked, sinful, rebellious people. He's saving them, redeeming them, and taking dead people and making them alive, and then putting his Holy Spirit inside of them and saying, now I'm going to live in you, which is crazy. God isn't just making us good moral people. God is putting his spirit inside of us. There's this passage in John 14 where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's trying to mentally prepare them that he's about to go to the cross and die, and he will no longer be with them, which you could imagine would be so frustrating for his disciples. They've waited. Their great-grandparents have been talking about this Messiah coming, and then their grandparents, and then their parents, and they've been waiting their whole life. They've heard their whole life that this Messiah is coming, and then he shows up, and he performs all these miracles, and they're convinced, like, this is the guy. This is the Messiah that we've been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they start to have all these ideas in their head about the kind of kingdom they're going to build, who's going to be greatest in their kingdom, what it's going to be like for the rest of their lives. And then Jesus starts to prepare them like, hey, I know you guys are really excited, but actually I'm going to die, which would not have been great news to them. And then listen to what Jesus says in John 14. In John 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So again, he's prepping them. I'm not going to be with you, but someone is coming in my place. I will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscrat, said to him, Lord, 
How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So again, Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I know you're afraid, I'm leaving, but don't worry, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I will put my spirit inside of you. I'm not going to leave you. My spirit is going to live inside of you forever. I know I've been with you for a little bit, for 33 something years or a couple years for those of you who've been following me, but don't worry, my spirit will live inside of you forever. That would have been probably encouraging and also terrifying. Because they knew, uh, based on the scriptures before them and the Torah before them, that anytime God's presence shows up, you can't just casually walk in. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is, your body is now going to be a temple for my spirit, which as Jewish boys, they would have known, like, you can't just casually say the spirit of God's going to be in me. They knew that even the high priest couldn't just walk in casually to the presence of God. Moses couldn't even look in the presence of, be in the presence of God, look at his face right? Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Don't look at my face. Isaiah, when he has this vision of God, he immediately recognizes how unclean he is. The presence of God, the spirit of God was a huge deal. And Jesus is saying, don't worry, my spirit is now going to live inside of you. Insane, crazy, would have shaken up their whole world. We talk so casually like the spirit of God's in us, but to them, that would have been mind-blowing that the spirit of the holy God that not even the high priest could be in the presence of without being perfectly clean. You could die if you were in the presence of God. That spirit is going to live inside of me. And so you have to ask yourself as a believer, if you're listening to this and you claim to love and trying your best to follow Jesus, you're trying to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to ask yourself, do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus's words? What do you make of that passage where he says that his spirit is going to live inside of you? Do you think that God is just like casually trying to make you a better Christian and you better get your behavior right today and you better wake up and try not to sin today? Like, is that your idea of what it means to be a Christian, have the Spirit of God in you? Or does it mean the actual Spirit of Jesus is in you right now as a believer? And if so, if that's true, if what Jesus has said is true, that his Spirit, his actual Spirit It's not just like a, here's some principles to live by. I hope you can become a better moral person. But his actual spirit, Jesus himself, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. What would that mean for your life? What would it mean if Jesus, if God the Father, if his Holy Spirit, again, all three are one, the Trinity, which can be very confusing, but distinct persons, but still one, the spirit of God that hovered over the darkness in Genesis, 
that was there in creation, the Spirit of God that allowed Jesus to do all these miracles in his human body, that Spirit is now inside of you. If that's true, what would that mean? What would it mean if the Spirit of God lived your life today? Like really, not just try to make you a better person, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lived inside of you today and lived your life. What would it be like if the Spirit of God showed up at your job, at your grocery store as you're getting a sandwich at the deli? What would it be like if Jesus showed up in your marriage or at the dinner table with your kids or at the gas station or when you talk to your neighbor? Where I'm going with this is I don't think that when I went to the deli that day, I think that that guy was actually experiencing the presence of God. And that's not because I'm a great dude or sinless dude or you know a super righteous guy. It's just the fact that I believe what Jesus said is true, that he did not leave us, but that he put his spirit inside of me. And now when I show up to the deli at the grocery store to get an Italian sandwich, Jesus is there. And I wonder if I had been more sensitive to, or if I had even had that kind of mindset when that guy was trying to pinpoint what is it about you that's different, if I would have been more conscious of that, like, dude, Jesus is here because I'm here. Again, not because I'm a sinless dude, but just because Jesus saved me. He took this dead, wretched, wicked, broken, rebellious dude, and he made me clean, and now he put his spirit inside of me to dwell in me. Now, wherever I go, Jesus goes. And if I would have been conscious of like aware of it, if I would have had that on the forefront of my brain, Then when this guy is trying to pick out, like, dude, where are you from? Somehow to shift the conversation to, dude, I think what's actually happened is you might be sensing the Spirit of God, and maybe that's super weird, or maybe that would have been exactly what that guy needed to hear, and maybe the conversation would have shifted in such a way that God was trying to speak to him. He was trying to use me, my body, my mouth, my presence in that place to speak to him, and maybe I missed it. I don't know what was happening there, but I just wonder what would have been different if I would have actually believed what Jesus said, that his spirit is inside of me. I wonder what would have happened at the hospital when I was sitting in that waiting room and Jesus was there. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was in that room. And I wonder if I would have been obedient to that prompting and saying, you guys, I I just sense that somebody here is probably feeling a little bit scared and could use the comfort and peace of Jesus. Would anyone like prayer? I wonder what would have happened. I wonder how that story would have ended if I would have said that. I wonder what would have happened if I would have tried to shift the conversation at the pool to that guy when I looked at him and said that. Again, feeling the prompting of something. I didn't over-spiritualize it. I didn't make it a thing. But I wonder if I would have had on the forefront of my mind, like it's not just a tired dad who's sitting at the pool after a long road trip, but Jesus is here. The Spirit of God is here in this room. And what would the Spirit of God want to do if he were living my life right now? Because he is. If I believe what Jesus said, he is. He's living my life. His Spirit is inside of me. And now it's not my life, but it's his It's His will that's being done through me. And so I wonder if I would have had that on the forefront of my mind. And I sense in this dad that something deeper is happening here. And if I would have just been obedient and tried to shift the conversation, which just real practically, because there have been times where I have been obedient to this. This actually just happened at the Dad's Hired Retreat. I was getting the, we had just flown in. I was with a group of guys. Uh, This was in September and I was getting the rental car and the guy said something about like, Dad Tired, what's that all about? And I I said something like, you know, man, we're just trying to be, we're trying to be the husbands and fathers that, that God, we believe God's called us to be. And we started to get in conversation. He was a dad. He had had his dad bail when he was young, like I did. 
And at the end of that conversation, he said, hey man, would you just keep me, he told me his name. He said, would you keep me in prayer? I could really use some prayer right now. That conversation within three minutes shifted to spiritual things so quickly. As we were walking away and one of my buddies was like, dude, is that how easy it is to just like talk about Jesus? I was like, dude, I, I think so. <laughs> like, I think God is always at work. We just have to assume he's working and we're only like one or two questions away from somebody wanting to talk a little bit more about spiritual things. And so even just thinking through those conversations, like how to not make it weird, like Jesus is in this place, you know, <laughs> like not, I don't know, maybe that would work. I don't know, probably something would happen, but I think there's some natural ways that you can shift the conversation to Jesus, where you can shift the conversation to spiritual things. A lot of times for dads, it's easy for us to just talk about like our own dad stuff and just say, yeah, man, or say something like, to the effect of where you've been looking for hope and you didn't find it. So I'll often say things like, yeah, my dad bailed and I I try to find my identity in this, but actually I'm just finding my identity as a son of God. I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to be a son of God and just kind of throw that bait out there and see what happens. And because dude, you just, you have to assume that the spirit of God is working all throughout the earth. And I don't know where he's pursuing and what's happening in these people's lives, but I do know that what Jesus said is true and that his spirit is in me. And so when I walk into the room, Jesus walks into the room. The Holy Spirit walks into the room. And so I'm just going to assume the guy behind the rental car counter, that God's pursuing him. And I'm going to try to throw some bait out there and see what happens and see if I can water that seed or throw some seeds or see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in that man or at the deli counter or at the pool or at the waiting room in the hospital. Like I just want to live a life in such a way where everywhere I go, Jesus shows up. And so I'm asking you as a man listening to this podcast, what would it look like if you really believe that? If you really believe that wherever you go, the Spirit of God is going in your marriage? Like, what does the Spirit of God want to say to your wife today? What does the Spirit of God want to say to your kids today? What does the Spirit of God want to say to your neighbor today? And do just be bold for the glory of God because it's not you speaking, it's the Spirit of God in you. And I just have a feeling you're one or two questions away, you're one or two statements away from that that conversation shifting to something really profound and deep. And so as you're going throughout your life today, as you go to the grocery store and you go to the gas station, you interact with your coworkers and your wife and your kids, just ask yourself, if I really believe that God is in me, that the Spirit of God goes where I go, what would he want to say today to the people I interact with? What would he want to do today? How do you know the Spirit of God is working in you? You know, how do you know? It can be like, a, like, what are we really talking about here? Well, Paul says in Galatians 5, when he's speaking, when Paul writes his letter to the Galatians, he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You should have, as a follower of God, an un natural amount of those qualities. Unnatural to the point where people recognize, do something, this is not normal. The way that this guy loves, the joy that this guy has, the peace that this guy has, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is not natural. So that when you're at the basketball court and you claim that the God of basketball lives in you, you actually make the shots. You know what I mean? Like when I claim that the God of the universe lives in me and my atheist sister says, that's crazy. But then she looks at my life and says, dang, but it is weird how much he loves. 
it is kind of crazy how much joy he has and how much peace he has and patience and kindness because the spirit of God lives in us. It is not natural. The world cannot receive it, but you receive it. God did not leave us as orphans, but he put his spirit inside of us. And so for you, brother, what would it look like for the spirit of God to live your life today, to interact with your wife, for the spirit of God to interact with your kids, with your specific neighbors, at your gas station, at your grocery store, with your coworkers? What would it look like for your body to just be used as a temple where the spirit of God dwells? for him to do his work through your life specifically. This is why Jesus says, it's better that I leave. He was contained to one physical human body. And he says, it's actually better. It's better that I go because now my spirit can be in billions of you. I can roam all throughout the earth using all of your bodies as temples to get my work done. And so Jesus left, but he did not leave us as orphans. He put his spirit inside of you. And today, wherever you woke up, Jesus was there. Wherever you interact today, the Spirit of God is in your house and in your marriage and in your parenting and at your grocery store and at the deli and in the waiting room. And so, brother, be bold. The Spirit of God is in you. Would you live unnaturally compared to this world? I love you. Hey guys, as always, I hope that episode was helpful for you on your journey of becoming more like Jesus and helping your family do the same. If you love this ministry, it's helpful for you in that way. We'd love for you to become a partner. You can make a donation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and so we are funded by your donations. You can do that by going to dadtire.com forward slash donate, make a contribution there. It helps us continue to produce resources for you to help you lead your family well. I love you, and we'll see you next week. 